0: Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Stuff We Love podcast. On this episode, we will welcome friend of the show, Scott, for a general Disney discussion, as well as some pop culture conversation. And as always, we will conclude the episode with our very popular Stuff We Love segment. Let's meet the hosts. I'm Joe. I'm Neil. I'm Scott. And you're listening to the Stuff We Love podcast. Welcome to Stuff We Love podcast.
1: The Stuff We Love podcast is sponsored by Autoslash, Autoslash is a website that you visit if you are either interested in renting a car or already have rented a car, but would like to save money on that car rental.
2: Scott, how do they go about actually finding you the lowest prices?
1: So what happens is that when you go to their website, www.autoslash.com, you will input your information onto the site. You'll fill out information about your travel dates, where you want to pick up the car, membership clubs that you belong to like credit card rewards programs, Costco, AAA, and so forth and then they will apply every possible coupon code that you are eligible for. And then shortly after you input that information, Autoslash is going to send you an email which will list all of the car rental rates available for your stay. And Scott, once you book the initial trip, is that it with them? It can be if you want it to be, but here's the great thing about Autoslash. They continue to monitor car rental rates up to the date of your trip, and that's especially important because car rates... Car rental rates often drop right before the trip. So if they find a lower rate, they will email you so you can rebook and save on your car rental.
2: And would I have to book through their site initially?
1: No. So if you've already booked through any of the car rental sites like Hertz or National and so forth, what happens is you can go to AutoSlash's website. You can enter your car rental reservation information, and then Auto Slash will actually email you if there are better rates available. So you can save money on existing car rental reservations that you didn't even book with Autoslash. The average user saves around 30% off their typical rate, and I can tell you that for my upcoming summer vacation, I saved close to $200 on my car rental. Autoslash has awful. been featured in the New York Times, Condé and Ash Traveler, and on the Today Show. So visit them, like I said, at their website, autoslash.com, and if you've used their services, please tell them that the Stuff We Love podcast sent you. We are happy to welcome to the show our friend Scott for the second episode of our Pop Culture Questionnaire series. Scott is a longtime Disney fan who has made frequent trips to Walt Disney World, and we are happy to have him on the show today to talk about his being a Disney fan, participating in marathons at Walt Disney World, and more. We thought Scott would be a great guest for the Pop Culture Questionnaire show. Scott, welcome to the show.
3: Thanks for having me, gentlemen. It's a pleasure to be here and happy to start talking Disney, and Beatles, anything, you know, I, I just love all the pop culture stuff, so it's great. let's get it on. It's yeah, great, awesome. great. Scott, Happy to happy here.
1: There's a lot of Scotts on the show.
3: <laughs> yeah, this won't be confusing at all. My my middle name is not Joe or Neil, so that will help a bit. Okay, that helps. <laughs> that helps.
1: And, uh, you know, Scott, before we get to the questions, I just wanted to say that you and I, we met, I, I guess it was years ago, right, on Twitter? We started talking. I don't know if it was Disney or Beatles that, that established that introduction, but one of those.
3: Yeah, Scott, I think it started with Disney and then you shared like a link, something about like a Beatles article or whatever I commented on it. then we noticed that we had that mutual interest and yeah, we've been talking back and forth a lot on Twitter. We've never met in real life. Ironically, I've met your brother in real life um, (laughs) by a chance, like a weird coincidence. Um, But yeah, we've had some great conversations on Twitter and it's great being able to talk to you tonight.
1: Yeah, man, I agree. It's great to have you on the show. Great to speak to you in person for the first time. And uh, we're going to get going on these questions. So most of these are going to focus on Disney and a few will focus on music and other pop culture topics. So I'm going to turn it over to Neil to start us off with the first question for Scott.
2: Sounds good. Scott, we got to start off here. How did you become a fan of Walt Disney World?
3: All right. Well, it goes back really to 2011. You know, we were just seeing all these advertisements on TV, you know, with the castle and Disney. I was like, you know what? That could be a fun trip for us. So we decided to book it. We went all in. We, we did the deluxe dining plan because we weren't sure, like, you know, we're going to have to eat. Did we do this, like, predetermined dining plan? So we went for the deluxe dining plan. And I tell you, like, we spent probably six or seven hours a day eating. <laughs> we, were, we spent more time in restaurants than actual, like, theme park and doing attractions. But, okay, you know, yeah, it was all right. Yeah. We loved it, though, and got hooked. And then next thing I knew, we were back home. I was missing it. I was like, you know what, we need to do another trip. So that trip turned into another one for the next year. And then I was like, you know what, we need to get annual passes. So we became annual pass holders in 2013. And that's when we just got really hooked on it. So what it really wasn't from like movies or anything. Like I watched the movies when I was younger as a kid. 101 Dalmatians is actually my favorite. It was just those, the, the, the time getting away from like the bad weather. I'm from Michigan. So I'm sure you guys get, you know, all about like the snow and the terrible weather. So it was just a nice getaway to see some green, see some palm trees. And this just created so many great memories for my family. We've made so many great friendships since then. I just can't imagine like not having Disney and Walt Disney world in particular, like in my life. It's, Changed everything for our family for the better it sounds like you established an emotional connection
2: with disney world from the get-go which is which which says a lot and and speaks a lot to uh, disney culture and and the way you're able to connect with it particularly at the parks
3: yes definitely is an emotional thing and um i just it's just the memories like wherever i go like at work like i'm always known as the disney guy or with our family (laughs) i'm like disney guy and when they ask me questions about or advice like I, i always go back to like that first trip and just talking about the memories we make it's not it's not all the restaurants or the attractions or the weather. It's just – the it's a combination of all that. But the main thing is just the time that I'm spending together with my friends and family. That's what makes it so special. Yeah. yeah Scott, That's I know, great. I
1: know exactly what you mean. It's sort of like you when you're in Disney World, you're in this alternate universe where there is so much fun to be had between the parks, the restaurants, and the hotels. Out of all the vacations I've taken in my life, I've always kind of been sad to come home, which is a normal thing when people return from vacations. But – being away from disney world and orlando in general it's been tougher for me to adjust to that more so than any other trip it's like when once you come home you're ready to go back the next week it's really what it's all
3: about Yep. absolutely yeah because we've gone to other like theme parks in the midwest like cedar point things like that and i'm ready to get out of there you know like i mean we have a good time like we do like day trips but it's just Sure. it's not the theming isn't there you know the the staff like the cast members and right. we come home and like i'm like okay i'm good not going there for another few years but when you come back from disney you're just looking back on the trip looking through photos on your phone and camera and then you're like man i really wish we were back there even though i'm exhausted from just being there it's only <laughs> like a couple of weeks but yeah you just you seem to like always miss it which is what i love about like this show and other podcasts like that helps fill those gaps in that time when you're not actually at Disney or listening to like a background loop. That's one of my favorite things to do when I'm at work, just throw on like a resort background loop or a yeah. park background loop. It just takes me to that place yeah. or to a memory and just puts a yeah. smile on my face. And it could be 20 below zero at home and the, or doing work. And it just makes me happy just connecting with, yeah. with Disney. And that's a, that's also a good
2: point, and I know because you're a big music fan as well. That music in, within Disney, in Disney World, it really does connect you to certain memories, certain uh, feels, certain places in the park, and uh, and that's one of the benefits of technology today. It allows uh, easier access to uh, to experience that.
3: Yep, absolutely, and I'll even go. So far, where like I had to get these tracks, like maybe I can't find it on the on like a like a magical mouse radio or like a radio that streams something. If there's something in particular I want to hear, a lot of times on my trip I'll take my phone and use like a the Shazam app. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar yeah, with that. Sure, yeah. And I'll just sit by a speaker. Like for instance, like Old Key West, they play a lot a lot of Caribbean music and Jimmy Buffett music. I'll just sit there with my phone and just like write down the tracks as they're playing and just go yep. home and you know replicate that playlist so that. If I want to feel like I'm at Disney's Old Key West, I got a list of all the songs right here, and uh, it's just love it. It's a weird thing to do on vacation, just sit by a speaker recording down the tracks, but that's <laughs> something that I love to do, and I do it every oh,
2: time. That's great. That's perfect use of Shazam. That's awesome.
3: Scott, you're on
1: the show with multiple music fans. We're all fans, of big fans, so we can relate to hearing a song and wanting to listen to it over and over again. Exactly. Joe, why don't you ask Scott our next
0: question? Sure. So, Scott, I mean, that was a great intro into why you love Disney. But when you go down there, what's your favorite hotel to stay at? Um, so, overall,
3: I'm going to throw a curveball on you guys. My favorite Disney hotel to stay at is actually the Grand Californian in at Disneyland. Um, oh, wow. I don't know if you guys nice. have ever made your way out west, but that is the definition of the greatest hotel. I mean, they have, just the way it's themed, it's very similar to, like, a wilderness lodge or an Animal Kingdom lodge that you would see in Florida, and there's great restaurants and it backdoors you into disney's california adventure you have like your own private entrance um it's just so convenient um but my favorite walt disney world resort god it's like picking your favorite child so we're disney vacation clubs and we own at old key west maybe not very popular choice among disney fans but we just love staying at old key west um i was just kind of talking about like that caribbean feel it feels like you're on vacation, you know, like you're at like a beach resort or something. You know, it's it's really really fun. I love the theming there. I'm, I know I'm like giving like five answers, you know, because that's what you yeah, have to do. A, there's
1: <laughs> so many great choices. There really are.
3: But if I had to put it down, the one for Walt Disney World, it is the Polynesian Village. I just I absolutely love the Polynesian. We've been fortunate to stay there twice um, on our DVC membership. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see cat, views of the castle. You know, from when you're walking on the grounds, um, the boat transportation is great. The restaurants, the Kona, Ohana, even the luau is pretty fun to do, and the pool. And I just I just love the transportation. You can get to the monorail. You can just walk to the TTC, especially if you're a Disney Vacation Club, because those rooms are closer to the transport Ticket and Transportation Center, so you can just walk over there. And another thing I really love about the Polynesian is that if it's too crowded to be in the park, you know, you want to just come back earlier for the evening, you can watch the Magic Kingdom fireworks from the resort. Um, they have a great beach area. You know, you can... Grab a grab a chair and just relax, you know. Walk around with a drink and just watch the fireworks. It's a great way to cap off a, a day at Walt Disney World. Sure,
1: Scott, I love those answers because you know we we're so much into the Walt Disney World way of thinking. I personally haven't been to Disneyland and, or Disney's California Adventure. I haven't been out to the West Coast parks since 1987, so uh, that's on my list of things to do. Uh, but that's great. That's that's your number one hotel. And in terms of Disney World, I actually never really considered Old Key West before, but I recently saw the hotel featured a lot in a particular vlog and it looked beautiful. I was I was blown away by what I saw.
3: Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um one recommendation I would have for Old Key West though, and I'm not sure when you're what everyone's mode of transportation choice is when they go down there. Having a car is really helpful for Old Key West. Mm-hmm. The it's such a huge resort. Like if you're taking the bus, the bus the bus stations may be far away from your room or the bus routes are really weird because they have to go through these roundabout circles. They like they take a weird, really weird path when they're at Old Key West. So you could get to the resort, it might be another 10 minutes before you get to your room,
0: mm-hmm. depending
3: on where you're staying. The way the the resort is laid out, there's a parking spot in front of every villa, so you can just park right in front of your villa and just, like, walk right in, whereas opposed to some other deluxe resorts, um, Animal Kingdom Lodge, for instance, it just has a giant parking lot, and it doesn't matter where you park, you're going to have to hike up to the main lobby and then, you know, walk through this long hallway to get to your room But Old Heat West. You drive in, you park, boom, you're in your room in like two minutes. Mm-hmm. So super convenient yeah. to have a car there.
0: Yeah, I like that, especially if you have a family with you.
3: Yeah, exactly. And that's another advantage of your annual
2: pass, too. It even makes it it's just parking in the parks. to drive to the parks to go back to your hotel uh, without having to pay the cost of parking. Uh, that, that makes a big difference as well if that's included in your annual pass that you have.
3: Yeah. For the theme parks, they do charge now at the resorts um, for parking. Yeah. Yeah, the resort uh, they charge, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yep. for the resorts, they do charge now. But it, to me, that's that's super convenient mm-hmm. um, for when you're staying at Old Key West. It's such a huge resort like that. Saratoga Springs is very similar to that as well. Sure.
1: Well, and one question I have before we go on, back to the question on the list. I, I feel like I should know this having been to Disney World so many times. But is Old Key West – like if you enter the main gate at Disney World and you bear to the right and you get to a light if you and you make a left, you could get to the Port Orleans Hotels. Is Old Key West to the right? Is that sort of the area it's in?
3: Yeah, so it's on the same street as the. Oh, it's not quite the same street, but it's right by the the Port Orleans Resorts. So it's considered a Disney Springs resort. You can take yes. the take the boat to Disney Springs from there as well. Oh, okay. So I it's kind of like that. on the same. Yeah, so it's kind of on the same path as the Port Orleans and Saratoga Springs. Yeah, and and I like that area personally. Yeah, um, it's kind of away from all of like the. The main strip, you know, it's kind of quiet over there, and you got the Sasagula River that you can just take the boat on. It's, right. it's I lovely. think
2: that's the most underrated free thing to do in Disney World is the uh, Sasagula River uh, River to Disney Springs.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but um, I would say that's my favorite attraction, probably, of all Disney World is that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a great ride. Great, great ride. Yeah. yeah. And going back to the music, they have a pretty good, awesome background loop on there, yep. too. <laughs> that is very true, Scott. So,
1: Scott, the next question on our list is whether or not when you go on a Walt Disney World vacation, do you have a tradition of a particular theme park that you always go to first or do you change it up?
3: So it's not necessarily a tradition, but it just so happens to work out that we always go to Epcot first. Okay. I don't know why that happens. It's usually maybe it could be a combination of things that, you know, we're just planning on meeting some people and they just happen to be at Epcot like that was in their plan. Or maybe we just have a dinner reservation. We end up we end up making a lot of reservations at Epcot, as yeah. you guys know. World Showcase has is loaded with great yeah. dining options. Totally. After a long day of travel, because we always fly, we're from Michigan. We could do that drive, but I prefer to just fly. Um, right. It's just just way easier, you guys know. Um, and and the MCO take, is a great uh, airport, great. Yeah, place. I, I love MCO. Yeah, yeah. So we just fly down there. You know, we're usually pretty hungry and we're excited. But Epcot just works out. And Illuminations is my favorite nighttime show.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Sadly, it's going to be going yeah. away. But I'll get one last glimpse of it this summer coming up. Yeah, but, um, for sure. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just I don't know why. I mean, Magic Kingdom is probably overall as our family's favorite theme park, but we just always start at Epcot. It just gets us ready Epcot, for. the Do you have the trip. a particular restaurant or two
2: uh, at Epcot that you like to eat in uh, the
1: most? Well, Neil, before we uh, actually, the next question on the list was to ask Scott to name some of his favorite Disney World restaurants. So,
3: well, you you've I,
1: jumped ahead, but wow. uh, that's hey, that
3: works for me. That's <laughs> that, awesome. <laughs> Well, as you guys heard from my first trip, I do like dining. My not the first, yeah, from the first trip, I do love the dine at all Disney World. Me too. And we've dined probably almost everywhere at Epcot. Specifically speaking, Epcot, um, La Cellier is probably my favorite okay. there. Mm-hmm. Um, great steak. I don't know if you guys like drink beer or anything, but they have a great beer selection. Also, okay. mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of beer flights, where you get like a like four or three ounce pours or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, great sampling there. Great steak. Um, you can't go wrong with Via Napoli either. I love pizza. I, w- I would say Disney pizza is questionable. I'm sure you guys, you know, from <laughs> where you're looking at, you guys got some great pizza. Um, no, but, I don't uh,
2: need that. I actually, uh, the Annapoli, the, the Italian restaurant at the Four Seasons now also has got great pizza. And at the uh, Jack, uh, Jack Jock Lindsay's Hangar Bar has a great pizza there. They've actually, uh, but I, I know first like the theme park pizza. I actually have seen some really exciting choices pop up over the past few years with the pizza, which is which is
3: exciting. Yeah, that's really exciting. Yeah,
1: I do um, love Via Napoli's pizza, though. Their pepperoni.
2: Via Napoli
3: is very good. Yeah. Oh, it's phenomenal. And we're to the point well, with the way we travel. Um, very rarely is it just my wife and my daughter. We've made so many great friendships through the years through social media and other podcasts where there's usually going to be a group of people that we know that's at Disney at the same time as us. So when we booked Via Napoli… I don't know if you guys can picture it when you walk into the restaurant, but there's this like long table in the middle that seats probably like 25 people. We always get that family table and it's just, it is just a great time. I remember um, when I finished my first dopey, I know we'll probably talk about run Disney later at some point, because that's a big part of part of what I do with Disney. I remember walking in the Via Napoli with all my medals around my neck and like I started like a slow clap. I don't know why I did this. I was just exhausted (laughs) from running the marathon. And everyone got up and we all started clapping while we got seated at the lawn table. We just felt like celebrities and big shots. You know, here we are in the middle of the restaurant with this huge group. Everyone's clapping. Oh that's another great memory I'll always
1: have. (laughs) Completely. That's awesome.
3: But yeah, but going outside to Epcot though, I don't know why, but we just because probably because they're they're awesome, but we really love the signature restaurants. California Grill mm-hmm. is easily my favorite. Um, you get like dinner and a show there with the with the fireworks show with uh, happily ever after. Um, we try to time it right so we get there. We try to book a reservation like an hour and a half before happily ever after so we can sit down and enjoy the meal. Um. Take our time. Good dessert, and then we'll hop out to the to the viewing deck and just watch happily ever after. It's a great way to finish off a night.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Sure. But um, you can also do a similar way. I mean, it's a different perspective, but also amazing. Is Narcuzzi's at the Grand Floridian? I don't know if you guys have been there or not.
1: I went They're there once. Nice, yeah. yeah.
3: I don't know if it's underrated or not. I think it's underrated because we can usually get a dining reservation much easier than we can at California Grill. Watching the fireworks from there is just a totally different perspective where at California Grill you're high up you know you're looking kind of down on the Magic Kingdom where at Narcuzzi's you're on the water so you're seeing like the it's almost like illuminations in a way you're seeing like the reflection of the fireworks mm-hmm. on the Seven Seas Lagoon and that is just it's super neat. My wife and I go back and forth for which view we like better. I prefer California Grill, okay. she prefers the Narcosee one, but you can't you're you're winning if you're getting one of those views. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I definitely want to try that out, and so, you're right. The setting is such an awesome setting too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Narcozies, um, It seems like it's less crowded too. Like, because I know at California Grill, if you dined earlier in the day, so you had like a five o'clock dining reservation, you finish your meal. It, I mean, it's awesome that they do this. Then you can come back up later in the evening if you have your receipt for the day. Mm -hmm. So it can get kind of crowded up there, plus the restaurant's a little bit bigger. But in Arcozzi's, it seems it's a more private group. It's a smaller restaurant. I don't think people that were dining earlier in the day are coming back. Um, I also have noticed that Narcuzzi's is more of a slower pace, so mm-hmm. it could be like people that are in that first dining, the first seating, are the only ones in the restaurant anyway that wouldn't be coming back. So right. I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just awesome. You can't go wrong with Disney food. I love Disney food.
0: Me too. Me too. Okay. Joe,
1: next question for Scott.
0: Sure. So Scott, when you're uh, in Walt Disney World, is there a preferred method you have for getting around the parks? Getting around, and you know, I know you said you prefer your rental car or just a car down there but do you what's your favorite mode of disney transportation
3: man i love disney transportation and don't get me wrong like with the car like we will rent a car like maybe every other trip it kind of depends on what we're saying like the example earlier if we're at old key west it's really beneficial to have that car but mm-hmm. if you're at the polynesian i mean you got the monorail you have the boat so i i think when you're looking at what resort you're saying i could depend on if you need the rental car or not mm-hmm. My choice, though, I mean, as much as I love the monorail, I love the history behind the monorail, um, but I love the boat transportation. Yeah, um, like the small boats from the resorts, um, like the like a friendship boat. Um, yeah. If you're in the Epcot area, or I don't know what they call the boats, like around like the Magic Kingdom, like the smaller ones. But yeah. I love I love those boats. Um, sometimes it might take longer wait because they can't fill as many people in those so you might have to wait a couple of cycles which right. can be a bummer at the end of the night you know when you've just been on your feet all day it's hot you're exhausted but there's nothing more relaxing I think on a midday boat ride to the park say you like left the park earlier and you took a nap or you took a swim break and you're coming back at like four or five o'clock in the afternoon you might even get a private boat and you're just sitting back with your family enjoying the breeze off the water that is Man, that is one of my favorite things to do at Walt Disney World.
1: Scott, I can completely relate to that. Those are some of my best Disney World vacation memories. Those late afternoon rides after a sm- swim break back at the hotel, where you're pulling into the park, you got a slight breeze up against you, uh, just taking in the views. The boats allow you to really, in a comfortable setting, absorb everything that's around you. It's really, and they are attractions unto
0: themselves.
3: I yeah, love. I, it I also, the
0: uh, I, I also like the views from the boats when you're going away from the park and. Yeah, you, know, you you get on the boat, you turn around, and then you have all the lights at, at night and everything. It's great. Yeah,
2: I actually uh, taking the ferry from Magic Kingdom at night, right when the park closes or after the park closes, taking that to the yep. ticket transportation center. That's become one of my uh, favorite uh, uh, forms of transportation. There, it's tough, when you get to relax on a large boat, you have some space, upper level, lower level. You get to look back at the at the park, and it's just a, a great way to cap off the the night.
3: There's a, mo- a couple of of transportations we even talk about. Like, I do like the buses. Sometimes taking a bus on a midday, like, you, you become the only person on the bus, like, and they're blasting the air conditioning. Like, that is... I actually kind of do enjoy that sometimes. <laughs> oh, yes. um, I do not like the end of the night bus, though, where, you know, you got... Yes. They cram as many people as they possibly can in those things. People are cranky. Those aren't necessarily as fun as those midday bus rides. But I'm not knocking the buses. I think the buses are nice, and I'm looking forward to the new option that we're going to have next fall with the with the Skyliner. I am yeah. so excited to try yeah. that out in the fall. Like I just love that Disney is giving us more options for transportation. Totally those
1: look like a real traction. The yeah, they I mean, do. I'm anxious to uh, to ride those too. And that when, that opens in the fall this year. Am I right about that?
3: Yeah. Yep. I want to say it's the fall, uh, which who knows? That could mean – that could be two or three different months. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but my um, guess would probably be ready for Galaxy's Edge time. So I would hope maybe so. Like, maybe like early fall.
1: This could be like the rise of the resistance of transportation where they tell you it's going <laughs> to open and then – okay, not just yet. <laughs> future, yeah. future date. But it does look awesome. I cannot wait to uh, ride those. And I also really am excited to stay – at a hotel where those are available, especially the New Riviera Resort, which looks out yeah. of this world
3: beautiful. Yeah, that looks gorgeous, man! I can't wait to stay there. Or like, just think how great Pop Century is going to be now. Like, that's my favorite value to stay at. Mm-hmm. And now you're going to have that transportation option from there. Like that—that's going be, be to be—that's going to be fun. It
2: change the dynamic uh, tremendously to have a transportation where it's not
3: just buses. That—that uh, that really does add a lot. It's, to have all those options. I mean, obviously. With opening of Galaxy's Edge, they're going to expect a lot more visitors. So that has to be why they're doing adding this extra mode. But like, yeah. I love having all these options. Where else can you go? Where you're going to have like five different options for transportation that doesn't even call you a cost you a dime? You know, it's pretty Absolutely. amazing.
1: Scott, before we go to the next question, you mentioned those late night bus rides, and I've certainly been on many late night Disney bus rides. One of the things I don't know if you you'll know what I'm talking about, but when the lights are on on the bus and you're exhausted, you're kind of like bouncing back and forth, you're squinting your eyes. I love when they turn the lights off when the bus starts to drive because (laughs) then I just it's it's a more relaxing ride. (laughs) You know if you know what I mean.
3: And then it's the worst when you get to the, your resort and those come back on. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, Scott, tell us about uh, if you had to choose. I know this is tough, but your top three Walt Disney World attractions.
3: Top three Walt Disney World attractions. Man, You, I thought talking about the resorts, what well, my favorite one was. That I thought that was hard. Wow, this one's even more difficult. I can say number one pretty easily, though, is okay. Splash Mountain. I oh. love Splash Mountain. Wow. Um, I love that there's a thrill, there's a great story. It's like a combo of Dark Ride and like the length, like it's not too long, but it's not like a 2-minute ride, you know what I mean? Like it's a it's it's like the quintessential Walt Disney World attraction to me. I just absolutely love Splash Mountain. One thing I like about an attraction is like, you know, can you re-ride it more than once and like it's a little bit different each time. And that goes to Kilimanjaro Safari. Like mm-hmm. almost every time that ride is going to be different. Um, there could be an animal crossing the road. There could be, you know, animals doing certain things that you've never seen them out there doing. The lion could be active or whatever. Like you never know what you're going to get into when you go to Kilimanjaro Safari, which is why that's one of my top three. I just, I just love that attraction. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go really goofy on you guys here. It's going back to the music. I really love the music in this attraction. <laughs> It's a nice place to sit down and relax for a bit, but I love Impressions de France in the France Pavilion at Epcot. I did oh. not,
1: I did not expect wow. this. That to be the answer.
0: Nobody, <laughs> nobody expected that one.
3: You'll see, me talk about it on Twitter all the time a lot, and I get teased by my friends. But I prefer that over Soren. I don't know why. There's just it, it is dated for sure. But like anytime they start talking about France, like when they're talking about Ratatouille, and now there's, there's going to be this new. I think they're doing like a BR guest, like sing along thing in that theater now. Like, I always get nervous. Like, oh man, are they going to take? Don't take impressions of <laughs> front. But you guys know what? I'll always have the 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 score and the soundtrack for that because that's what it really does for me. I love the music to that yeah. to that show.
1: I love that nice. answer, Scott. Those are those are great choices. Uh, uh, Joe, I want to ask you. What, I'm sorry.
2: Oh, I uh, just want to say one thing about yeah. uh, uh, Scott's number two there, which was the safaris. Uh, I'm a huge fan of the after-hours events, and, and, and uh, I'm, uh, when I go down there, I definitely try to schedule it around after-hours. I, I like when the park is uh, a little emptier. I've spoke about this on the podcast before. I love the easy access, and I like how it's very chill environment. What is also, uh, uh, I know I've used this word a lot tonight, but underrated aspect of the after-hours events is that you could get into the park a little bit before the actual park closes. And last time I did that, I was at Animal Kingdom. We could still go on the safari. And what was really cool about this, I'm so used to going during the day for the safari uh, in Animal Kingdom that, that it was really nice going in, uh, going to see the attraction uh, at night. And, um, uh, and then because that then closes for the after hours event. So you're still able to enjoy that. Uh, before then, taking advantage of the rides are part of the after hours, and it pretty much was a ten-minute wait. It was nothing at that at, at that hour, and um, it was just a great way to start off. You walk right in, you go right into the safari, and it was really cool to see that attraction at night, which I never had before uh, and wasn't really available for a long time. And uh, and and what a some spectacular sights throughout that. It was just a lot of fun and a different perspective. I and mean, it was just in uh, line with what you were saying that. You go on it at uh, one point. You go on it at another point. It's completely different, and especially the day and night contrast is a is a, a drastic difference, and really,
3: uh, really worth it. Yeah, Neil, that's that was a perfectly that was well said. Um, <laughs> totally agree with that. And I mean, not to get sidetracked, I man, I could talk Disney with you guys all night. But um, those after hours, I I love those events. I've only done the Magic Kingdom one, so I'm glad to hear your thoughts on doing the Animal Kingdom one. Yeah, yeah, but, man, those are. I know they're expensive, but they're worth, they're worth the money to me. I love doing those. They
2: are worth the money. Even for people planning vacation, if you don't – if you could figure out staying at the resort during the day and doing the pool, something along those lines, and not maybe buying a ticket for the park today but buying just the after-hours tickets, it's – and obviously it depends on who's in your party and, and, and all of that. But it, for me, it's – in terms of park time, it's what I look forward to most on uh, on the trips now is when I have the extra hours events.
1: Yeah, we've probably done Flights of Passage at Animal Kingdom four times or even five times over two after-hours events. Without waiting. Without waiting, just walking right on. Joe, I wanted to ask you a question building off of Scott's favorite attraction, because he said his favorite attraction was Splash Mountain. I've talked about on the podcast here before how I went on that ride for the first time a couple years ago, and I know when we were there for the Halloween events last October, that was the first time you had been on it in a while. What were your thoughts on Splash Mountain? I don't know if we talked about that before.
0: We didn't really, but I, I actually liked Splash Mountain. I thought it was a very relaxing ride, even though it, it's got that that sense of the danger with the drop and everything. And it's got a little bit of excitement. I thought it was more relaxing. It, it was a, like Scott said, it was a more lengthy ride, so you got to sit, you know, in the the vehicle as it went up and then into the dark cave and everything. I liked that part about it. So I liked the ride. I mean, I don't know if I would call it one of my favorites, but the. I would certainly not hesitate to go on it again. I'm, I'm sure when we go back, um, you know, if there's a uh, fast pass or something open for it, I'm going to get it.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Scott, I, I want you to talk to uh, us and to our listeners about your Walt Disney World Marathon experiences, experiences because I know that's a big part of your connection to Disney. And I thought we'd begin that discussion by asking you how you first got involved in running Walt Disney World marathons.
3: Yeah, it's um, I'll try to keep it as short as I can because I know we're kind of going long and. It's okay. Um, but uh, I mean, I know, and I know the audience can't really see me, but um, I've actually, I'm actually a little overweight. I'm a little oversized, and when I first started going to Disney, you know, we're talking about all that dining earlier. I was pushing almost 290 pounds, and I was like, "Man, I got to do something about this. Like, this isn't healthy." And I was just looking at myself, feeling not feeling all that great. And a podcast that I was listening to at the time, and I still listen to. It's one of my favorites. I um, created some great mem- um, friendships over there. Is the Br Guest Podcast. Yeah, which I'm sure some fun listeners fun. of this show listen to as well. Sure. Yep. I know all of us do. Um, so Mike Rollman is the host there, and he had a great episode on with a listener named Mike Bankhead, which I don't know if you guys have heard of him or not, but they are talking about Run Disney and like what, mot- what, what, what motivates them. And then that conversation turned into creating a running team for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I was like looking at myself like, man, maybe this is what I need, like running and not necessarily running, but just getting out and doing walking or something, just doing some type of lifestyle change. And mixing that in with Disney, like, this sounds great. So I would I would walk. I started walking every night. After, after I listened to that podcast episode, I'd listen to Disney podcast or, like, Disney, you know, track, like, background loops like we were just talking about. And before I knew it, like, I'd lost 10 pounds. I lost 15. I lost 20. Eventually, like, I was getting actually in pretty good shape. And then I started, like, doing a little bit of running. And I was like, man, maybe I should look into, like, one of these run Disney races. Like, some of the people in my running group are going to do them. I can finally meet them. So I pulled the trigger. I was like, you know, I'm going to do a 5K. It was the Expedition Everest 5K. that they It's now retired, but they used to do that um, in, I think it was in May. It was like a great time of year. Um, and it was a night race, which was really intrigued me, you know, because running in Florida is not all that great any time of the year, really. <laughs> but uh, it actually was the last year they did that race. So I did the 5K there. I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I should go crazy. Maybe I'm going to try for a half marathon. So I did Wine and Dine that year. Then I was talking to some friends. They're like, you know what? Just just go all in. Just do the marathon. So I trained up for the marathon. I lost more weight. I actually got down to 190 pounds. So I lost almost 100 pounds over like this two, two to three year span. Wow. Um, yeah. Wow. Uh, and yeah. I just never thought that I could ever do this. And I tell you, running the half marathons and the marathons – are, it's just a blast. And I mean, I mean this literally, I always say like, if I can do it, anyone can do it. I know you hear that expression. A lot of people say that, but I really truly feel like if I put that time commitment to it. And all it was, was just starting by walking and listening to podcasts, things I enjoy just to keep me entertained while I go on these walks and get, you know, work on my fitness. Like that did it for me. And since then, I've gained some more weight, but um, I'm actually registered for Dopey again um, this coming January, and I'm, like, motivated again. Like, I'm, I've been out there every day for the last two or three weeks, starting up my training again. I've already lost a few pounds, and, like, I'm ready. I'm back and getting motivated again to do it. It's just it's just awesome to like, combine two things that you love, like Disney and getting fit. Like, you can't beat that. I mean, that's, that's a great combination.
2: That's an amazing story. I think yeah, what's also great. really
3: cool about that is that...
2: Disney seemed to be such you know to to make a lifestyle change is so hard and I give you a lot of credit for for doing that um because uh, it, it, it it takes it does take sacrifice and it does take changes that your body is used to something else and uh, adjusting to that and it's just so cool to hear how Disney played a pivotal role in 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 really it's such an important uh, part of your life which is uh, creating a healthier lifestyle and it's 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 amazing uh it's an amazing part of that story it's just how um it's something you would never immediately think yeah. about disney uh disney world you know you think about vacations you think about the movies but how that could, you know the the benefits that that uh provided uh, is is really cool to hear and i give you a lot of credit
3: for for doing that it's awesome yeah yeah thank you neil and you're absolutely right like who would have thought like going to a vacation and amusement park and theme park and all these like the whole ips that disney has would make a guy lose 100 pounds and get fit like that <laughs> makes absolutely no sense but they they did Almost. it and i've created some of the most my most treasured friendships in my life since then because of the run disney and i won't say like i i only go down for run disney events it just happens sometimes it works out on my calendar like honestly that the run disney event Weekends can be really exhausting because you're waking up at 2:30, 3 o'clock in the morning. Right. There's a lot of crowds. You're exhausted most of the time. You're not spending as much time with your family as you would want. But those are just unique kind of trips that create whole, you know, whole different kind of memories that you know you never thought you'd make in other trips. So yeah. Yeah. I love them. That's amazing. I love that
1: story. Scott, out of all the things that people have said on the podcast, that is definitely one of my favorite stories, if not my yeah. favorite story. That That's <laughs> inspirational for me because weight is something I've struggled with. I know it's inspirational for many of our listeners, all of our listeners, really. And one of my favorite things about your Twitter account is seeing your posts. Because you do post about your runs and about your yep. training regimen. And I find it to be not just fun to see you having a good time, but also uplifting and inspirational for me as one of your Twitter followers to see that as well. Well, I appreciate that.
3: That, I mean, I don't want to get all choky and get sappy on the podcast, but that means a lot to me hearing that too. I tell you, Scott, we should go out there. Like we can do like virtual walks and virtual runs together, you know, get each other out there and get motivated.
1: Yes. Like listen to,
3: like we can say, all right, let's go for a walk and listen to this album and we'll come back and, you know, let's talk about what our favorite tracks were or something like that. I bet you that could get you out to go walking and running.
1: No, that's true. That's, that's definitely true. And uh, I have thought about at one point doing a uh, Disney World marathon, and I know that one of the best things about it is that they offer so many different options for uh, people who are so inclined to do that. Talk to us about um, some advice you would give to someone thinking of participating in marathons but hesitant to begin the training because maybe it's something new to them.
3: That's, that's really funny that you asked that because I have a co-worker. That's actually my wife's boss. We work for the same company, and she reached out to me. Not my wife or her boss asking like, "Hey, I know you do all these runs at Walt Disney World, and it's a bucket list item of mine to to run a marathon." And she loves Walt Disney World too. She goes not as often as we do, but she tries to go like every couple of years. Mm -hmm. I was like, "You know what? You know what? That's that's the perfect place to do it. You love Disney because I honestly I don't think I'd run any other marathon other than Disney because you know I'm just so familiar with the product and the parks, and you know I just love running through the property. It's funny that you asked that because I've been giving her a lot of advice and. Like I'll send her what I'm doing and I'll just follow up like, hey, I know you can I know it's cold, I know it's rainy, but I know you can get out there and just do at least a mile today. Like like don't try to run hard or push it, you know, even if you have to walk, just get that mile in and then a couple weeks later or a few days later, like, all right, now you can push it to a mile and a half. Like I'm trying to like slowly get her up there, but one advice I always give and I'm giving her as well is I mean, I have I have asthma, I have really bad lungs, so I can't run or sprint for like more than like two minutes really. Um, so I do a lot of walking and they call it like run, walk intervals and I'll run for 30 seconds and then I'll walk for 30 seconds or sometimes 45. And then I, I just keep that on repeat. Um, Jeff Galloway, he was kind of, he's an Olympic runner, um, marathonist. He's the spokesman for run Disney. Um, and he, he, he talks about that too. Like that helps you prevent injury, you know, it helps you save on energy especially for those long runs where you're doing like a 20 mile training run like it'll just help you in the long run to do those walk run intervals and that's the that's the best advice i can give is just just stick to the doing your intervals um some people be like may say like oh you're not a real runner if you walk like don't listen to those people you're a real runner if you're out there putting in the mileage you're a runner in my opinion
0: and i think yep. that will help anyone yep i agree yep awesome thank you
1: scott That that was really tremendous we, we do have a couple more questions for you. Joe, do you want to ask Scott our next question?
0: Uh, sure, Scott. So real – I know this is not a, never going to be a quick answer, but back <laughs> to Disney. Galaxy's Edge is coming. What are your thoughts on uh, the opening of that as it approaches? Man,
3: I'm just – I just cannot wait. Um, when they announced that date for both coasts, I was like, I couldn't believe like how soon it was. I thought we were going to be way later. Like what Disneyland is – what, the end of May, I, th- I want to say? Yes, have. Yeah. May- then we have late August for for World. Uh, honestly, one of the first things I did, I looked at airfare for for both coasts. I I popped in. I think it was whatever the late May days for Disneyland. Sent a screenshot to my wife. I was like, I think we can do this. <laughs> and then she's like, Come on, Scott, be realistic. We have a trip coming up in June for for a cruise and all this. So I was like, All right. I was like, Well, what about the Walt Disney World at the end of August? It's Labor Day weekend. We can make that happen. So I was just all in, and I know it's going to be super crowded and going back to like trying to book it like but i don't care like i, I would just want to be there on opening day it's not going to happen for me it just i got really excited started looking at the airfare and all that but i'm just super excited for it i know it's not going to fully be opened which is a little surprising to me because th- mm-hmm. i didn't think they were going to go through like the the phase approach like they did with new fantasy land a few years ago how they opened up like the BR guest restaurant and they opened up like Little Mermaid, the Mind Train came on later. Like I thought, they were just going to do the whole thing, which is a little surprising because that's what they did with Toy Story Land and they did with Avatar, like Pandora. They opened up the whole land in one. So it's a little surprising to me that they're not doing that. But I'm just, I'm just super excited. How about you guys? I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Uh, Joe or
0: Nip? I, uh, I mean, I know for me, I'm excited about it. I'm a little hesitant about it as well because of the crowds. I'm worried about how. Many people are going to be there. The thought of standing in line for hours. I mean, even the opening of uh, uh, you know, Toy Story Land, those crowds, and I was reading about it. To me, that is not a fun time on my vacation. I don't want to stay in line an entire day. So the, I'm hesitant about it, but I'm really anxious to see what it looks like. And I'm looking forward to going there at some point, maybe just not right away. Just because I, I, I just don't like the idea of standing in line for that long to see what this is. I but I, I'm certainly going to watch every YouTube video I can find on it, though. There will
1: be no work done that day when, <laughs> no. when so, that no. park opens. As a matter of fact, I have said that it's going to be – one of the best things about it is knowing how fun Twitter is going to be to follow that day, paying attention to the waits. So, Joe, you say
3: that you know you don't want to wait in line forever. You want it to die down a little bit. When do you think that, that time is going to be? Let's, let's specifically talk Walt Disney World when it opens in late August. When do you think would be a good time where – it's going to be a when do you think it'll be a two hour wait?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the, the funny thing is I joke with Scott and Neil all the time that I'll, I'll go in six or seven years. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm hoping within, you know, six to six months or so it dies down. Obviously, it's, if it opens in August, it's not going to be, you know, any lighter at Christmas time. But sometime after that, I think when the, uh, you know, the, the time to go to Disney gets down a little bit and it's not so peak season, I think that might be, you know, when to go. I just I would love to be there opening day, be one of those people who get to walk through it and and see it that day. i just I just can't with those crowds. I know it's gonna be something uh, that Scott and I'll be talking about all day long when that when that day comes. so I, I I do think maybe in six to eight months it'll it'll die down a little bit, just going on some other you know openings that have come. even I, like I, even like Pandora, you know the 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 journey uh, uh, flights of uh, passage. Those those lines have died way down. I mean, it's been a, a while now. But when Scott and I went uh, two years ago, right when it opened, even then the lines were long. But we—if you go first thing, it wasn't so bad. Only a few months before that, it were hours and hours long. So if if that's going by any indication, I think it will go down a little bit. Two hours, I'd be willing to maybe deal with. I think so. one
2: of the issues is is that is also what Scott was hinting at there, which is it's not coming, it's not opening all at once. So once the first attraction opens, it's going to be packed and mob scene. A couple months goes by, starts dying down. Then you have the next attraction and then there's going to be overflow and you have a hotel as part of this whole process, which also changes the crowd and dynamic. Um, and I, I, I actually I, – I, even if they do an after-hours events for Hollywood Studios and I know they've been doing that. I think those are going to sell out quickly for these. Even then, I, I know they, they cap how many people are allowed in. It might just be more difficult to get them. But I, I don't know. I don't know if it, it, it's going to follow the same you know pattern as even you can look at when Frozen opened up uh, over in Epcot, uh, where at first it was hours and hours and hours long. And then the same thing happened with Pandora. And then there's like – it is that like eight months, like Joe was saying. It starts to you know get a little bit more openings. Then about a year and a half, it really starts to – you know, provide—I don't know with Star Wars, based on the timeline and the release, uh, and also just being Star Wars uh, and everything else there. It's, uh, but look, Harry Potter. Uh, you I was know, just gonna say, I, look at Harry, Harry Potter. Potter's, so, yep, yeah, that's a great—you know—that does counter that.
0: But it's also been years since Harry Potter first opened, and even the Diagon Alley part has been a couple of years now. You know, I, I don't even remember. It might that's be five true. years now. So that's how long it's been—it's taken. And then every time we've been down there, I know it's usually for Halloween, so it's a bigger crowd then. The crowds are not so bad, but they are very crowded. Some of those waits, if yeah. you didn't have a fa- um, an express pass for Universal to wait online for Harry Potter, is still going to be over an hour mm-hmm. yeah. uh, for some of those rides. And that's now when it's years later. So I, I think you're right, Neil. I think I think an hour wait at Star Wars would be like the ideal wait to go yeah. if you had to right. do that. And obviously, if you 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 know. I don't. It's not. We're not even talking about fast passes here. It's just waiting in line. Right. If I can get an hour wait, I'll do it. Hopefully, that won't take five years, but I. But you never know.
2: They should turn that part into a twenty-four hour park.
0: That would be terrific. <laughs> that would be awesome. I'd go at oh, three yeah. in the morning. So, so I'll give you guys two
1: thoughts on Galaxy's Edge. First off, let me just say I'm extremely excited for it. Cannot wait to see it. Uh, the, the first thought is that. As excited as I am for the attractions, I am just as excited for the food and drink options and to see how the park, that section of the park looks. I want to pay attention, just like in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, to the attention to detail, the theming. Uh, I would love to just be immersed in a Star Wars land, so I'm extremely excited for that. Even the Coca-Cola products are going to be themed in unique bottles tied to Star Wars. So I think that's going to be really cool. The second thing is... Anybody that's a Disney fan knows that there's, for a long time, been a notable segment of the Disney fan community that has referred to Hollywood Studios as a half-day park. People don't understand how you could go there for more than a half-day. I would make the argument it could be a full-day park, but a lot of people looked at it as a half-day. Once Galaxy's Edge opens, with that, Toy Story Land, and everything else that Hollywood Studios has to offer... It is definitely no longer a half-day park and it actually becomes, in my opinion, a multiple-day park because you could do everything in Hollywood Studios except for Galaxy's Edge and that'll take you a long time and then you could go back another day for Galaxy's Edge and be there for hours. So this totally changes Hollywood Studios and what it's going to do to our vacation planning. It's going to make it, I think, a lot more fun and a lot more exciting and give the visitors to Disney World many more options in terms of how to spend... Their Hollywood Studios time, so I, I'm I'm very excited, and I can't wait to see what the wait
0: times are opening day. Opening day. Yeah, it, I can't I, wait either. I it, it's going to have to be a multiple day park because you're going to spend one entire day waiting to get into the Millennium Falcon. <laughs>
1: yeah, so <laughs>
0: That's it, right. it, it it's just not to me it's not worth it. I I love it. I can't wait to see it, but it's not worth it for a, quite a while. So
3: yeah. na- so not necessarily tied to Galaxy's Edge, but while Neil was talking there, like it just something sparked to me, and I took a note to remind myself to mention it. But like, how lucky are we? Like I was talking about New Fantasyland, and that was just a few years ago. Then Neil talked about Frozen After After, Frozen Ever After, which I kind of forgot about. Then we had Pandora. Then we had Toy Story Land. Now we have Galaxy's Edge. We have new resorts opening. Like. How yeah. amazing is this? Like there there is so much brand new stuff being built and more to come too. Like we got a list of attractions like Guardians of the Galaxy, Ratatouille. Like there's yeah, so yeah. much more coming that the layout of like Epcot's gonna be completely changed, it seems like in future world. Like we we are so lucky and blessed to have this going on right now. Like I just it's absolutely great. love this.
0: You're totally <laughs> you're totally right, Scott. We've talked about this on the show before, which is the fact that Universal opened Harry Potter has really galvanized Disney to to compete and and come up yeah. to that level, and now Universal is doing the same thing, trying to come up to that level. You know, let's talk about a Nintendo world there, uh, and some other things. I think that both of them, it, it is good. It's good for business for both of them because, and it's good for us. And I think you're totally right when yeah. we're it's getting a, all of these great new things coming.
2: It, it's a, Joe. That's you're absolutely right. It's such a great combination because it's true that Harry Potter not only did it save Universal Studios, but it, it, it created this whole new uh, empire of Universal Studios down there as well, and that competition between Universal and Disney is, is so healthy between for the companies because they're creating the most amazing attractions, unbelievable and amazing uh, resorts, things like that. But And so it's benefiting the companies on their bottom line and it's benefiting the the tourists and the guests. So it's really such a win-win combination. It's been just a terrific period of time like Scott, you were just mentioning and uh, we are very, very lucky and you're, you're so right.
1: Scott. Uh, what I love what you just said there because now I know what I'm going to say to people who say to me when I say that I'm going to Orlando again. You go to Orlando again. Weren't you just there? Don't you want to go anywhere else? What you talked about there is the perfect response. Well, now there's Pandora. Now there's Galaxy's Edge. And it is true. I mean, look, the, I, I, I don't know if you guys have taken this, but I, I certainly have been subject to a lot of criticism from people who feel the need to comment on my vacation plans and say, oh, why are you going to Disney World again? Well, haven't you been there before? What's Why would you go back? Well, these are the reasons because there's always something new. Even if they did none of this stuff, there would still be new stuff to do because that's how much Disney World has to offer. But the fact that there's this as well, it's just awesome. I love it. I, I'm, we're, we are very lucky to, to, to have these opportunities. Yeah, it's a great time right now. Scott, we just wanted to ask you a couple of other questions not related to Disney. I guess I'll ask this first one because you and I have talked many times on Twitter about our mutual love of the Beatles. And um, I wanted to ask you, I don't think I've ever asked this to you before. Uh, how did you get become a Beatles fan?
3: All right. Yeah, I absolutely do love the Beatles. And it just started at a young age. Um, I thank my dad for this. I mean, my dad would just listen to you know, the stuff that he grew up on in the house all the time. So the Beatles were always on Chicago was another band. he would always listen to, or like Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd or whatever. But like, I just had this obsession with the Beatles and he would play like the old Beatle cartoons. Have you guys ever watched the Beatle cartoons at all? (laughs) Oh my God. I love those things. So like, those are always playing or like, he'd always have like hard day's night, the movie or help, you know, like all the movies that they would make too. And I just that's all That was like my music of choice I always want to listen to it which was kind of weird growing up like in elementary middle school and like people were talking about like newer music whatever and I'm like oh yeah let's talk about the Beatles and no one knew what the heck I was talking about which is really sad and disappointing but I know I just grew up on it from you know from my dad I thank him for that because it became an obsession for me you know I just like trying to learn everything new like reading all the stories behind all the songs and like what is what does this lyric mean or whatever like i just like used to like dive into it so big i still do like i'm i'm a, I really am a huge beatles fan and I, I can kind of tie this to running too even when you're out for a training run and you're doing like a 20 23 mile run that like, you're going to be out there for like five five and a half hours six hours i will just start from please please me the album and i'll just go all the way through chronologically and that just like gets me through a run like that's cool that's like the best thing for a long run. I'll just throw on the on the Beatles and just go all the way through the catalog. That's awesome. That's awesome. Before we I, I
1: turn to one of the other guys for a question, I, I always like to ask Beatles fans Give me your favorite Beatles album. I'm, I'm always curious about that. I know it's a tough question, but what is your favorite album as of this day? Oh, it could probably change in the next hour. It, it, will, change the, it
3: yeah. will change in the next hour, but right now I'm going to say Abbey Road is. Okay. Um, this actually surprisingly does not change for me. Something is my favorite Beatles track, which no, is on Abbey Road. That, so that's, that's why I'm going definitely, with Abbey Road. That
1: may be my favorite too, by the way. That may be my oh, favorite. Oh, that's great. Yes, it's a great song, obviously. We, it's it's it's. Keep going. I don't mean to interrupt, but that's
3: amazing. Yeah uh man you just think about something though like lyrically it's amazing which is it's kind of like a play on uh james taylor song i believe mm-hmm. um it, which is kind of that's kind of cool tidbit there um but uh, the bassline by paul in that song and yes. when paul does it live you ever see like paul do it live with the ukulele oh yeah. my god it, I'm, I'm just i'm gonna go crazy right now just talking about it but anyway so something is that's my favorite beatles song and then just like Everything on Abbey Road is just amazing. Like the medley at the end, I love the drum solos. It's kind of in to Beatish by uh, Ringo there at the end, but <laughs> like, and how they trade, you know, they trade the lead guitar solo between the three, three of them. Like I don't know, like everything about that album is amazing to me.
1: I love on Abbey Road the song "Oh Darling." Be- <sighs> yes, to me that's maybe maybe Paul McCartney's best vocal because of the combination of the traditional singing and the screaming he does and yeah. I love the uh, influence of kind of that 50s doo-wop background vocals in that song it's
3: just amazing yep. and then um, Because I love Because like that is great great melody and then you never give me then you can, I can just go song by song and just explain We gotta got to have to you us.
1: back on just to talk Beatles
3: Hey I'm good for that
1: <laughs> And guys I, we have one more question to Scott it's kind of just a general question but uh, Neil you wanna take it?
2: Sure Scott the last question that we have here is – I believe you already yeah. answered this in part. Um, uh, Scott,
3: is this right to ask this question? Yeah, I, I, it was no.
1: – what other music do you listen to? But you've kind right. of uh, mentioned that already. Yeah,
3: yeah. so – yeah, I just kind of grew up on – I mean, so I have Syriac Sex on radio, and I have it on the 60s station a lot. I mean, it's weird. Like, I'm in my mid-30s. Why am I listening to 60s decade music? But I love the oldies. I just – there's something about those two two and a half minute songs, you know. Those, they're just quick classics, you know. I just love them. But um, big classic rock guy. I love Zeppelin. I love Pink Floyd. The Who. Um, I can even get into Rush a little bit. I love Neil Peart. He's a great drummer. I was a nice. I'm a percussionist, so I love I love listening to like just isolating and like focusing on drum tracks a lot is what I'll do. You know, when I listen to music. Don't really listen to today's music that much. Um, I love '90s grunge. I don't know if you guys were into <laughs> '90s grunge at all. Yes,
1: we, we, we like that a lot. <laughs>
3: Lithium on Sirius XM, I take you probably listen to a lot. I listen to Lithium a lot on Sirius XM for sure. Right. Um, but yeah, I just um, I have a wide range. I'm just not really into like country music or anything. But um, I even go back to like '30s and '40s. I love like big band jazz. That's another thing I'm really going. Tying that back into Disney. Uh, Scott, you said when we were talking earlier that you're going to be staying at the boardwalk, um, the, the background loop there is a great, like forties, like big band background loop. I'll just sit there for hours and just listening to that background loop. I just love it. So I have a wide range of music tastes, but this, the decade of the sixties in particular are my favorite. Awesome. It's probably probably because of the Beatles are in it, you
1: know? Yeah. Yeah.
3: I was just going to say, uh, uh, as percussionist,
2: Hal Blaine, that was a big loss. I was a fan of 60s music, and that was a, that was a that was a tough one.
3: That was a tough one. I mean, just think—like, how many great tracks was he on? Oh yeah. my gosh!
2: Like, I was actually just reading also about Dick Dale. Uh, I know it's not a percussionist, but and his involvement in Space Mountain in in Disneyland—that he wrote it over and over and over again with uh, some of the Imagineers and and created some of the guitar tracks for Space Mountain. Uh, that was another recent loss. Uh, but I had no idea about his involvement with
3: that at all. Wow, that's uh, really neat. Yeah, yeah,
1: that was great. Uh, Well, listen, Scott, I really, I'm sure I'm speaking on behalf of all the guys here. This has been one of my favorite episodes to take part in. I really love talking Disney with you. I love doing it before on social media and to have just a more of a traditional full-fledged discussion with you about all things Disney was a ton of fun. So thank you for coming on the show tonight. We love to have you back on to talk more Disney and more music and so forth.
3: Absolute, absolutely. I uh, thank you for inviting me and joining me. This is um it's been great just chatting with you guys. It just it just seems like we're just hanging out in someone's living room, just having a good conversation. And uh, I'll be more than happy to do that anytime you guys invite me. I'd love to join again. Thank, awesome. you, Scott. Awesome. thank you, Scott.
1: So now we're going to turn to the stuff we love segment. This is the part of the show where everybody on the episode goes through. Something could be a book, a movie, a a song that they're enjoying right now and would like to recommend to others. So uh, I'll go first tonight. I'll give two really quick things. One of them is the website Vulture. That's affiliated with New York Magazine. I I know it's been around for a long time, but I've only recently started really going through it on uh, Joe's recommendation. It's a pop culture website. They cover all things related to movies and theater and music. And I just love reading their commentary and articles. I find it to be a lot of fun. And the other thing just occurred to me because it's something Scott mentioned in uh, his talking about the Beatles. He talked about uh, watching the Beatle cartoons. Uh, a good friend of mine, Mitch Axelrod, actually has written the only book specifically about the Beatles cartoon series. It's called Beatle Tunes. I read it not too long ago. I learned a lot about the history of the Beatles cartoon series and it's fascinating in terms of the people connected with the show and how those, the uh, episodes came to be. I really, really recommend that book and I will be sure to link to that on the Stuff We Love podcast website products page. So those are my recommendations. Uh, let's turn it over next to uh, you, Scott, the other Scott on the episode tonight for your Stuff We Love.
3: All right. Awesome. As you guys know, I've been like, I love the talk and I'm going to try to like keep this as short as I can, but um. You guys were talking about Harry Potter a little while ago, like Wizarding World. And recently, we read the whole series. I went years without reading it. Um, we read it as a family because on a trip we took last fall, we wanted to see what the other side was like. So we went to the Wizarding World and all that. So been really getting into Harry Potter. But that's not the thing I love. What I love lately, and this is something we've done recently, thanks to Harry Potter, is we've seen a couple Harry Potter Symphony concerts um, local. And I tell you, like I am all in on like these symphony concerts. Like there's like in this pop series, our uh, town will do they'll do Star Wars ones. They'll do Harry Potter. They'll do like other John Williams things too. Like it is amazing just to be in a theater and listening to like a live orchestra playing. Like I just I love live music. And when it's a, something that you can connect to, like from a movie or some type of pop culture thing, it just makes it even that much better. So we're definitely looking into attending more shows at our local orchestra and, can't wait to, to see what they have next but i'm really been into these live concerts that have been watching at home
1: awesome awesome thanks scott that's great neil
2: yeah so i actually uh for my uh, uh stuff we love uh for this week it's actually i just placed an order for it i'm excited uh to, to get it it's the and i was talking to joe about this earlier it's the uh seiko watch uh their, from their save the ocean series i got their um uh, I got their version of the turtle watch. Um, uh, it's a dive watch. It's, it's this beautiful color, uh, beautiful blue, um, amazing detail. And uh, uh, it's in uh, partnership with Jacques Cousteau's grandson, Fabian Cousteau, and it helps out a learning center, an ocean learning center. Uh, uh, portions of each sail go towards that. And it's just an awesome dive watch meets the, the – uh, diving specifications, uh, so you can really, uh, really go to town with this in the water,
0: and um, I'm really excited for it.
3: That's,
0: That's awesome. You, that is awesome. Yeah, cool. it's a great watch. Neil and I were talking about it earlier, and uh, I was checking it out, and I, it's it's awesome. I can't wait to see it in person.
2: Uh, thanks, Joe. Comes in,
0: yeah. Um, so, yeah, my stuff. We love. I just want to mention it relatively quickly. It's a website that I'm very involved in, and I read it every single day. It's called FlyerTalk.com. This website talks about mainly travel stories and, uh, you know, airlines and travel on airlines and things like that. But the best part about this website is they have a very active forum section. And in the forums, there's discussions constantly ongoing about all kinds of travel-related items, whether it be hotel reviews, uh, trip reports, uh, new information that comes out about an airline that maybe put out a new route or something like that, and then reviews and how to travel better, things like that. It's a great uh, website and a great uh, travel forum that i like to use as a resource myself if I'm looking for a hotel review. Basically, anything you can think of, there's a discussion going on. I'm very active on there. Actually, it's maybe the one online forum I post in. So it's something I I highly recommend checking out, not only just the the plain old website itself with the news, but also the travel forum that's on there. It's uh, definitely something to look into. Oh, Joe, Flyer. I'm definitely
2: going to check that out. I definitely yep. want to start checking that out.
0: Flyertalk.com, and then you'll see the links up top to news and forums uh, and hotel reviews. So it's, it's, I highly recommend it if you're looking to do anything with travel uh, and, and just want to kind of stay in the news with that. Thank you, Joe.
1: Yeah, yeah that sounds great. Guys, before we do our uh, wrap-up announcement, Scott, I wanted to give you the opportunity on the show to tell our listeners where they could find you on social media.
3: Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter. It's uh Epscott, so it's kind of a play on my name and my favorite uh, Walt Disney World theme park. So it's E P S C O T. Scott, you talked about earlier. I post a lot of try to motivational, like put my training runs out there. I tried to. I've been trying to be a little more active out there. So um, yeah, like I'll, I'll tweet about some local sports. Michigan State is the Michigan State Spartans. Their campus is right where I live, so I tweet a lot about Michigan State. But um, yeah, I do when I'm at Walt Disney World, which is quite often. Um, I do a lot of tweeting there. So yeah, come follow me at, on Twitter at @epscott. Love to, love to chat with you all. Awesome. Awesome.
1: So thank you everyone for tuning into this week's episode of the stuff. We love podcast. Again, we like to thank our sponsor AutoSlash. visit them on the web at auto slash.com to learn how you can save money on your next car rental. The stuff we love podcast is on Twitter at stuff. We love pod. We're on Instagram stuff. We love podcast. We have a Facebook page, which we encourage you to go and like, our website is stuffwelovepodcast.com. There we have our products page where you'll be able to see links to products that the uh, guests and hosts recommend. We uh, have links to Amazon there. If you use those links to go to Amazon and make a purchase, it helps out the podcast. So we encourage you to do that. You can write to us, stuffwelovepodcast.gmail.com, at gmail.com. And please leave us those good five star reviews on iTunes, which make it easier for other people to find the show. So let's go around the table. Uh, thank you again. I am Scott.
0: I'm Joe.
3: I'm Neil. And I'm also Scott.
1: (laughs) And thank you, everyone. You've been listening to the Stuff We Love podcast.